Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today's message is taken from our epistle reading from St. Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, chapter 4, with an emphasis on these words. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. This is our text, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, amen. Friends, as we begin a new academic year in our Bloomington community, and as we come together this Christian Education Sunday to reinvest our efforts once again into teaching our children the faith, I find my mind wandering back to my own education, to all of the many teachers and professors who so influenced and instructed me during my adolescence. But oddly enough, as I prepared for the remarks in today's sermon, one particular teacher kept coming to the forefront of my mind, a college professor of mine, and not at all one who I might have expected. This professor's name was Steve Smith. And if he knew this morning that he was being cited in a sermon in the Lutheran Church, I think he might be catatonic, if not more than a little surprised. For you see, Steve, a self-described ornery old geezer, his words, not mine, he was well known for his frank and oftentimes cantankerous remarks every bit as much as he was known for the absolutely beautiful and astonishing clay works and pottery which he produced and then taught to his students. More to the point, however, for this sermon, Steve was also, admittedly, a stone-cold agnostic, frequently musing that he was not so well-learned as to dare pontificate on the existence of God, for he, as he described himself, was only a humble craftsman. Now, to this, I would usually remind him that this thinking was pretty much missing the point of religion entirely, and that what he was saying really amounted to little more than a lame excuse for skipping church. Steve would then roll his eyes and give me a wry smile, and that's usually where we would leave the conversation. However, in those rare instances, those times when he actually felt like discussing theology with me, a a dedicated arts student, but also a religious studies major. One comment that I remember him repeating more often than not was that as a teacher of the arts, really, he considered mankind's creative impulses and the expressions thereof to be among the most solid evidence that we have for the spark of the divine. And friends, I tell you this morning that even though Steve and I varied wildly in our personal beliefs, I have to confess, I think he was on to something. Man's pursuit of knowledge and creativity and growth is nothing if not our mirroring of God's own creative drive which brought all of existence into being. The various life lessons which you and I learn at the feet of our teachers and which we continue to pursue throughout our earthly lives, these things all serve to demonstrate an ingrained desire to understand the order of creation which our Lord and God has ordained. 
Observing the start of a new year in academics and in school is, therefore, nothing more than to give glory to the God who gave us our intellect and who established our learning. This conclusion I arrived at, not at the feet of a pastor or a theologian, but a potter. For you see, in each of us, whether we know it or not, or whether we acknowledge it or not, God has etched the universal truth of his existence and his love for us. Moreover, he has given us our various vocations to attest to his mighty work in us and through us. And so we share that work with one another. Whether you are a called teacher or whether you are, as Steve described himself, a humble craftsman, you who are members of God's church on earth are accountable to each other in teaching, in sharing, and in consoling one another with his word of truth. This is what St. Paul means when he writes in his letter to the Ephesians that we are members of one another. In this epistle reading, the apostle describes the new life that the believer has in their Lord Jesus. Did you take special note of some of the things that Paul used to describe this new life in Christ? It's a different kind of life, isn't it? It's not a life marked by obedience to our own sinful flesh or to the world around us. Rather, the apostle describes it as a life marked by peace, by patience, honesty, and sincere and truthful speech, and above all, the apostle writes, by forgiveness. Be kind to one another, Paul says, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Now, just as each and every one of us has learned important life lessons from our teachers, our counselors, and our role models, so does the church impart these new life lessons for her people in Christ. But like all life's lessons, these things do not come naturally to us. Rather, we must be taught these things. We must be shown tenderheartedness, humility, and forgiveness by first having them demonstrated to us. In order to live these new life lessons, we as children first need to see them modeled for us by our Savior, Christ Jesus, and then we must see them imitated by all of his followers. Paul would later opine in his lesson to the Romans, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Do you all see what Paul's doing here? The answer to this question which he asks is pretty apparent. The baptized Christian is not meant to sit on his or hers hands. We're not meant to look around and wait for someone else to begin ministering to our neighbor who has not heard. No, you and I. We are to be the voices that minister Christ to our neighbor. That brings us to the annual milestone that we are observing at Faith Lutheran Church today, Christian Education Sunday. On this day, those life lessons that Paul outlines are highlighted for us as we begin to 
we begin once again to rededicate ourselves to our children and to their instruction in this Christian faith. Though it may not always be at the very forefront of our minds, the task that we pledge ourselves to this day is without question the most important task of this fellowship of believers. Hearing God's word, reading it, marking it, learning it, inwardly digesting it, This gives us lessons not only for today, for this body and life, but also those lessons which will endure into the life of the world to come. Those Sunday school lessons and those great songs that you grown-ups all remember so well from your childhood, those things have eternal ramifications, it turns out. And you, children, the lessons that you are learning today in this place These are not learned in order to receive a grade like your schoolwork outside of the church so that you can pass on to the next level. No, these things are meant to be forever gifts to you. These are going to be the bedrock, the building blocks of all of the things that you will do in each and every day of your lives. Now, at this time in the sermon, I want to do something a little bit unique. I want all of our parents, our grandparents our aunts, uncles, guardians, or anyone who is raising children in your home, I want you guys to stand up right now. Don't be shy. We're not going to play Simon Says. Go ahead. (laughs) Now, parents, guardians, though you may not be called to service or commissioned today after this sermon, though some of you are, and that's a wonderful gift, your task, I tell you right now, is absolutely the most paramount in the faith development of your children. Because, you see, you guys, you specifically, are the front line and the most consistent model of Christ's love to your little and not-so-little ones. I want you to consider now, just for a moment, in what ways you model those virtues that Paul outlined. Think about how you, in your daily interactions with your kids or your grandkids, demonstrate what it means to live a new life in Jesus. I want you to ponder the magnitude of this task and earnestly examine yourselves, because if Christ's love is not communicated by you in your household, then I tell you, everything else that we will attempt here at faith is nothing but vanity. Now, parents and grandparents and guardians, go ahead and be seated. Some of you might have to get right back up here, but next I want to call on all of our teachers, all of our school officials, all of our preschool and child care staff, all of our Sunday school servants, anyone who is involved with the instruction of our children. Please stand up. It's good to see so many faces and so many overlapping faces. Parents, I want you to take a good look at these servants. Though most of them may not be blood relations to your children, still, they love them so much that they would willingly give of their time, their talents, and their treasures to help create in them these life lessons of the faith and the proclamation of the gospel. Do not despise or hinder their efforts, nor let the lessons which they teach in this place go unheeded in your households. 
Rather, I urge you, as brothers and sisters in Christ, to honor them, support them, and give thanks for them. For they have undertaken their task so that your kids' spiritual growth might be richer and fuller by their efforts. Now, teachers, you can remain standing as I'm now going to call upon, you guessed it, the whole assembly gathered here today. Parents and students alike, uh, all of our members at faith, please stand up. There's an old saying that goes that it takes a village to raise a child. I want you guys to take just one moment and look around you today. Here is your village. Here are your teachers, mentors, and counselors. Here is the body of Christ given to praise, to and to act of righteousness and faithfulness towards one another. Jesus reminds us in Matthew 18, whoever causes one of the little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for that person to have a great millstone fastened around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Though the law that he proclaims here may be intimidating to us for its gravity, still we may take encouragement in the knowledge that just as not one of us is exempt from this call, so also are none of us excluded from its grace. The author of the epistle to the Hebrews writes, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but rather encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Therefore, you saints of the Lord... I urge you, bear one another's burdens gladly. Uplift, console, instruct, and encourage each other for the sake of Christ Jesus, who has given you not only his word of law and instruction, but by his suffering and death upon Calvary's cross, has also given you, each of you, his gospel of salvation. Do not shrink from the task that we undertake this Christian Education Sunday. But rather, in all ways, strive to conduct yourselves in a manner keeping with the apostles' instruction and with your Lord's command. For he calls you, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And so it is in his name. Amen. May the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in the same Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.